This is the Raider Cup Nation podcast with your host, Alpha Mike, and the gang patrolling America's law enforcement beat. Now here's your weekly briefing on Raider Cup Nation. Welcome to episode number 6060. Oh, ho- hold on. This is strange. I'm getting a call from the executive producer of Raider Cop Nation. Hmm. All right, hold- let me see what this is. Hold on. Hello? Hi, I'm going to tell you one thing and one thing only. Stop putting that much sound effect in your broadcast because it sounds really bad. I'm sorry. Well, you heard it here, folks. I've been scolded by the executive producer of the Raider Cop Nation. Stop putting sound effects when I do editing on the on the episodes. It is what it is, you know? What do you want me to tell you? I've got to listen to the boss or else. All right, episode 6-0, training with firearms. What are we looking at now? Well, the, the advanced level. And we're going to discuss what that advanced level is. But before we dive into that, we are, how do you get in contact with us? We do this test every episode. Well, you just type uh, RaiderCopNation.com. Now there, we've made the website a lot easier. We've taken a lot of the fuzz out of there. There was a lot of things going on before. And a simple browser bar on top with the simple taskbars and, uh, you know, host up-and-coming shows, and so forth. And then uh, you can trickle down the page, and it can show you every podcast that we've done. You can just click on it and go ahead and hear it. Made it very simple. We also fixed some of the icons that were on there. We had a lot of icons that were kind of mix-matched. Remember uh, the episode before this one, we told you that we had changed some user ID names. Everything is pointing towards... Raider Cop Nation. The transition of this uh, podcast, the new name, Raider Cop Nation, has been a journey, my friends, and we're always plugging and playing. We've also uh, added to the website uh, an area where if you go to the up-and-coming shows, trickle down to that, open it up, and you are going to see shows all the way from the present to September 11th, 2019, all named shows. Because around here, we have more than enough material, spreading out knowledge at every turn, capturing the loot as we fly our flag proudly, capturing every episode for you, the listener. Episode number 60. Let's get on it. Episode number 60 takes us to a journey that starts in 1969 with the NYPD with their tactical firearms section uh, 
have requested to the agency that a study be done on combat shootings in the NYPD. It's approved in January of 1970. They kick off their study. The study goes on for a decade. And as a result of that study, they conclude it. 1980, 81, they publish their study. And it basically gives them the scenario that we have today on training. It is the format, the foundation of our training modules or curriculums. Basically, what they concurred with over 6,000 cases, January 1970, all the way concluded to 1980, they concluded 6,000 cases. And what they came up with is what we have. Shootings occur in a radius of three to six feet. The combat lasts three to five seconds. And there are approximately three to five rounds that were fired during that exchange. The only problems with this study would be that it's 40 years old. And the primary weapon that was studied at the time by the NYPD was the revolver. Today, the arsenal is much more extensive, ballistics much more complicated than it was in the 1970s. Will that change the statistics? Well, maybe in round count, it could be. Maybe a little different in, in distance. But overall, we're, we should be somewhere in the same range. It is shocking and depressing at the same time that the FBI, with so many statistics and data that they run, from homicides to whose car got stolen and what's the VIN number, they've logged that stuff in forever and a day. They don't. They don't calculate this one study that was done by the NYPD in 1960. As a result of this study, SOP-9 it's called, a sergeant by the name of Dennis Tudler, Tudler from the Salt Lake City, Utah Police Department did some studies on his own and he concluded that an individual with a knife at 21 feet is a potential threat to the officer with a gun. By the time the officer takes out his weapon from the holster and engages the subject with the, the knife at 21 feet, he would be on top of him if he was running, having the ability to stab him multiple times. Of course, if he's an expert in knife throwing, he can throw it 21 feet and, and land it on you too. So that's the distance. That's also been out there for many, many decades. Is it time to upgrade some of these standards? I believe so. To have any prudent standard, you should have a prudent uh, measuring stick or uh, your, your, your study should be within, let's say, the decade. But 30, 40 years, this is a little extensive. But nevertheless, this is what we use. This is our platform. Now, in this particular podcast, this is about the advanced shooter. 
So let's take a look at some things, and I'll elaborate on what they are, that the advanced shooter should start to look at. Not only the statistics that we read, they've also have to make a decision, a determining factor. At this point in your training with a firearm, are you, what is the purpose of the firearm being in your hand? Are you a, is, is it for combat that you're protecting yourself and your family and others? Or you like the sport, you like the challenge of target shooting. Determining what you are will determine what you will be as an advanced shooter. Once you recognize that and you lead in to your evolutions of advanced training, one important facet is mindset. Mindset has to change tremendously. And thinking or meditating on yourself being that better shooter goes a long, long way. There's so many scenarios that the brain can plays out. You can start by simply mindset and meditation on each one of those scenarios. It will make a warrior out of you at the time of need. Not only are you using that, your educational options. A lot of people, they conceal carry in the early 1990s. They have their license. And the only course they took was that first initial course. The laws are changing. The most important aspect of any educational option that you take is what's going on with case law. What are these federal courts deciding on carrying, not only in my state and other states? We will post on the show notes one of the resources to kind of show you what every state has as their laws for carrying concealed. So it is so important not to stay small, my friends, as I always say on the, on the podcast, to continue to grow. Don't stay a midget. Therefore, you have to continue growing. Another aspect of your advanced training is going to be ammunition. There's a difference between practice ammo and the actual ammo you'll be using on the everyday carry. What kind of grain is it and what groupings does it give you when you train with it downrange? Is there a lot of muscle pull? Uh, you know, what what is the outcome of that round and kind of close in to that specific round that works for you. For a couple of examples of what we're talking about, we will point to one of our YouTubers and gun experts that, remember, we've told you there's only a handful that we use because we've checked it and checked it and checked it again. And we highly recommend it. We will post this on the show notes, Lucky Gunner. They break down each caliber, each round grain, how the projectile works, and what would be of great aid to you, the, 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 the shooter. So as, as an advanced shooter, you're more looking at even the ballistics that you have to kind of a, a acknowledge here. You have to start studying this stuff to make you a better shooter. The most important thing as an advanced shooter now, and you should have 
picked this up since you were early on in, in the beginning, is situational awareness. Now I know women around the world will hate me for what I'm about to say, especially Wonder Woman. But some women, when they walk to their car in the parking lot, will wait till they get to the close proximity of their vehicle, bury their head in their bag or their purse to look for the keys of the vehicle, making them potential targets. Folks, you should have been prepared for the engagement before you got close to your car. So we use women as an example. There are some dodo bird men out there as well. So the, the situational awareness, looking around, who's out of place? Who's looking at me? You. Who's looking at you? You're the target. And finding as you're walking, uh, if something goes down, what's cover? What's concealment? Another one, if you're driving, where are you? What's the street and the location? Those are things that you have to take into consideration. When you dawn on a, a weapon, a holster, your mindset has changed. You've gone from conditioned white being in your house watching TV to now a higher condition, yellow and beyond, because now you holstered and you're ready to go, depending of where you're at. Even in your vehicle, you've got to be in condition of alert. Why? Anything can happen, get bumped from behind, and so forth. Now, before you think I'm going CIA on you and you're ready to hit that off button, one of the key elements of any advanced shooter is that they can visualize them in any and all situations. So visualization is very important here. It's not a game. You are thinking about what works and what doesn't. You've already trained with strong hand, support hand. You've already trained with shooting with your eyes open. You're also trained in shooting in different positions. Why? Because you're an advanced shooter now. So this is all these things you need in your arsenal. You also need the physiological response. As the shooting combat occurs, things will s seem to slow down in motion. The sights of your weapon will look larger than life because, you see, you haven't realized it, <clears throat> but your brain has taken over. Your brain now is in survival mode. Your blood pressure is rising. Your heartbeat is going through the roof. Your outer extremities like your fingers, your toes, are starting to get cold because your body, your brain is pulling all the blood into those vital organs at this point. Therefore, things seem slower than they really are because the brain is really analyzing what's going on. But one of the things that the brain's going to do is it's going to resort to what you have placed in it in the, in the training bank, in the, in the data, data bank. If you've put garbage in there, it will resort and pull out garbage and trash from that bin. 
if you've done some real good advanced training, then it's going to give you and get you through this evolution or this encounter. The emotional readiness is important. Knowing that you have to, at the moment's notice, take your weapon out of your holster to engage a target means that you're ready to stop a threat. And in that stopping of a threat is the potential of a human life being killed, the threat that's coming at you. This is something that plays with people's psyche. And if you're not ready to pull the trigger in that instance, then you're not really a good applicant for a concealed weapons permit and having this weapon on you. Now, I'm not trying to discourage you, and I'm not trying to go out there and hurt anybody either, okay? But if it presents itself, that's a part of this training now, that mindset, that emotional readiness you've got to be ready for. And this is a very quick encounter. Remember what we said, folks, when we started the study, SOP 9, three to five seconds. You blink twice, this thing's over. They ask you how many times you shot. You go, I think I shot once, and you shot, you know, 40 times. Who knows? So there's a lot of things that you've got to do to prepare for this event. Now, lastly, I I want to take us into we're going to hook up with uh, Kilo Sierra that's going to bring us to a different realm now in advanced training. But before we get to him, I'm going to bring on Pistol Pete on episode 57, The Plastic Gun. While I was interviewing Pete, he spoke about uh, combat versus uh, sports shooting. And he talked specifically about a barrel. And when I heard it, I said, this would be a great fit-in for this show. So I'm going to play some segments of that interview, and then I'll make some comments on it. It really hits what we're talking about today. Let's do it. One. My first modification that I would do to a brand new firearm. Usually factory sites are sub subpar unless you already ordered the firearm with a set of great sites. Uh, again, we'll go to the Glock, which is a very common firearm. The sites that come out of the box from, from Glock are adequate for very rough training, but <laughs> they're not anywhere near what you can what you can do and what you can get from aftermarket sites um you can get uh things like uh fiber optic you can get things like night uh, night sites which would be uh, a tritium insert inside of the site which actually just glows by itself um the fact that they're steel most of them is just just by that fact is an improvement over the actual plastic lock sites that can tear on you it can break two i don't recommend that you try to put them on with a steel punch because the site the actual uh, uh, steel on on the site is designed to be softer than the steel on the slide that way if anything messes up it'll be the site not the slide 
but with the right tools, it is not a, it should not even be a mark on the gun once uh, the gunsmith does it. Three. Yes, you can get aftermarket barrels. Usually they're, they're, they're made a little bit to a tighter tolerance than the factory barrel and they have a tighter chamber, but I don't recommend that as much for a defense gun. That would be more for like a fun gun to go take to the range. The tighter the tolerances, the more accurate the weapon is going to become, but it's also going to have a, a tendency to, with chest fouling and the dirt and stuff, it, it, it can jam up on you a little bit easier. It's, it's like, uh, uh, like a car, okay? You have a, a, a Toyota, which is dependable. It's going to take you everywhere every day. And then you have the Ferrari, which is for the weekend, so you can go really fast. Four. There, there, there's no such thing as one gun fits everything. There, there's no such animal. I wish there was, but there is no such animal. Five. Okay, I don't recommend that for your defense carry. That would be uh, absolutely crazy. You want, uh, for a defense gun, you want a nice smooth trigger, but yet you want it to be heavy so that you know that you're pulling on it. You don't want it to accidentally discharge because you're trying to jerk it out of your, uh, out of the holster because you're in a bad situation. So the modifications are according to what the gun's purpose is. For example, we were discussing sights earlier. You can get the, the thinner the front sight post is, the more accurate you can make the adjustments on your target. But the thinner the front sight post is, the harder it is to pick up. So for a, a defense gun, you want a pretty thick, very bold colored front sight so that as you're bringing it up on target, you can pick it up quickly. A very thin one is going to give you a little bit more accuracy for the, you know, for the shot. But, you know, a human body is about 13 inches across. You don't need to have one-inch groups in order to defend yourself. But you might want one-inch groups if you're in competition. Perfect segment for today's show, training with firearms. And Pete touched on the the barrel, the sights. He, he touched on all these elements that we're talking about this show. Once I heard it, and that was episode 57, we'll place that on the show notes, that show if you want to hear it. Uh, Pete touched up on every point that we're looking at today. So we put uh, some of those highlights from episode 57. It's always good to listen to the maestro uh, talk on guns. You, the listener, you, the listener, will always get some education when Pistol Pete is on. Now, it's time to upgrade uh, some of our training that we're doing in advance, and it's time to bring on Kilo Sierra. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me again. I, I love doing your shows. It's, it's awesome. A lot of fun. Lot it of is fun. awesome for you to be back with us. We are so content with the material that you're educating our audience. Our <clears> shows, <throat> number one and number two that we did, have actually uh, gone up 152%, which is fantastic for us. 
That's and wonderful. People, wonderful. and what it really tells us that people are listening. That's so great. We're happy about that. This is the last of the three-part series. We started off, of course, at the novice. Kind of a little intimidated with a gun. Things are happening out on the news. I'm seeing it all the time. So I want to come in and I want to buy, purchase a weapon. So we talked about that individual. Then we went to the person that maybe has five, six, seven hundred uh, rounds down range. I feel a little more comfortable with my weapon. I'm starting to get all the fundamentals down packed. Now we're at the last stage. That person that is very comfortable, got pretty good groups, you know, when they shoot mm -hmm. down range. But there's still so much to learn. Yes. So we're yes. going to concentrate on that effort. Where do I start? I'm at that level. Where do I start? Okay. Um, like I, I'm a huge proponent of regardless of your level, you always want to rehash all the fundamentals. And now at that level, when you're, you're becoming more proficient, it's important to continuously train because like myself, I'm a perpetual student. So um, I'm always uh, training. Tra so de definitely if, you're, if, if, if your intent is for self-defense training, a couple of things I definitely recommend. Uh, if, if you're going the NRA route, uh, I really like uh, the NRA. They have two advanced pistol courses. I teach them also. It's the NRA defensive pistol, which is their first level, like advanced level, um, and and the NRA uh, personal protection outside the home class. Though those are good starters uh, in order to uh, to begin the more advanced level training of of drawing the weapon from concealment from a holster from a holster, because we all know it's a lot different shooting at a stagnant target from a bench than it is drawing the handgun from the holster from concealment. Correct. And those two courses are, in my opinion, fantastic segues uh, to more advanced training because uh, they, they cover a lot of information. Also, I recommend uh, there are organizations out there that dedicate themselves to, ta to, uh, to tactical training. And one of them, I, I haven't done it myself, but I have many friends that do it, is IDPA, the International Defensive Pistol Association. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's something that's just an idea. Uh, a student could look at something into that maybe uh, for, 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 for more training as well. Because uh, what I like about that specific entity is that it's all combat pistol training and techniques and, and competitions with a standard firearm without all the bells and whistles that you can put on the gun. Right, so. exactly. And, and, and you brought up a very good point, and that is combat weapon. Yes. There is a difference in training, correct? Mm -hmm. Most definitely. Now, that's one of the questions that when I first start teaching my students, when I know that they're going to be in for the long haul regarding training, that's one of my initial questions. I ask them, look, what are you looking to do? Are you looking for target shooting or, or eventual self-defense combat shooting? What is your actual goal? And then we take it from there because there, there is a difference. Um, now, the fundamentals are the same in the beginning. However, once the student becomes more advanced and if, if they want to be target shooters versus self-defense you know, uh, shooters uh, or combat shooters, then they start to branch off because uh, uh, they're, 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 they're slightly different goals. Right. Um, for, for example, target shooters. 
you have all day to shoot your target. So you, you, you really, really concentrate on side alignment, side picture, trigger press. However, your main focus is, is accuracy, is, is, is very specific, you know, accuracy, minute of angle, uh, taking your time with each shot. Your, your, your firearm barrels are tighter, they're, they're, mod they're more modified. It's a, it's a different idea. It's all fun. I, I love them both. However, the goal is, is definitely different, especially when you hit the advanced stages. Where combat shooting, you take your essentials um, and you apply it to real-world self-defense situations, which are fast. Correct. And it, it's, a, it's a different dynamic. It's a different dynamic. Correct. Now, once we define who we are of course the individual shooter always has to define who they are and my correct why do i have this weapon what's the purpose and and we did talk about in the second series about dry firing and so forth and the safety that comes with that other than going to advanced courses and and you mentioned the nra and we'll post that on our show notes as well taking those courses which are phenomenal to bring you up to that level that you aspire what other things can i do sure there are um other training opportunities out there uh nra competitive shooting tournaments nra national matches uh certain businesses like front sight for nevada uh, you can take courses there it's what's important to, to realize is that training never stops uh, it, it, training never stops. You need to always train because it's, <laughs> excuse me, it's a perishable skill. Right. Um, I mean, uh, you, you definitely are consistently training for what we call a set of target accuracy, more like combat accuracy. We talk about that in my training classes where you hit an uh, eight and a half by 11 inch piece of paper, a nine inch pie plate, uh, uh, and a fast draw. However, um, combat a, a flash sight picture where the as soon as you see the, the front sight you press the trigger those are some of the concepts that that, that i that i really harp on even uh, point shooting in an emergency situation because in a combat shooting scenario it, it needs that your training has to be in a point it's like a martial artist where you have to get to a point where all the fundamentals happen as a reflex correct and that, that's the idea, that's your ultimate goal, is that all of the fundamentals are applied where it's so ingrained that the old school term muscle memory is, is an old term that, that's used. Um, but it's that's that idea in which uh, it must become a reflex because it's been pointed out in study after study that in a stressful combat situation, you never step up to the plate, you digress to your training. Correct. So where target shooting uh, is, is, is an enhancement on your fine motor skills, combat shooting uh, is an enhancement of your gross motor skills. Correct. The brain takes over. Exactly. And that's the goal. That is the goal, to literally make everything you've learned, uh, side alignment, trigger press, following through, the breathing, uh, uh, trigger press, uh, that, that all has to fall into place as a reflex. That's why martial artists um, practice thousands and thousands of times a week or a month. And the same thing with com if you're going to be a, an efficient combat shooter or you're studying combat techniques, then that is the point where you need 
to be at where it literally at some point in time becomes reflex. Correct. And, and also, when you look at combat shooting, it's not only pulling the trigger. It's uh, cover, concealment, movement. Oh, yes, that's a great point. Correct. That's, that, that's all incorporated um, into that strategy where it's not just pulling out the gun as fast as possible and getting as many shots in, in the target as possible. That's part of it. Part of it is understanding your environment, uh, getting away from that quote-unquote range mentality that uh, when a firearm comes out, everyone's moving. You're moving, the suspect's moving. You have to understand your, that's why situational awareness is key because in a situation where all of a sudden you are forced to defend yourself or someone else, you have to understand now, have an, an awareness of your environment. What's cover? What's concealment? How do I uh, uh, protect myself or someone else? Do I have enough time to go to, to find cover or concealment? Also, do I, uh, if I miss, where, where's the bullet going to go? So you have to be aware of your threat and what's beyond your threat. Th these are all aspects of situational awareness that are, are have to be uh, utilized in conjunction with your combat skills. Also, another important aspect is that, and one of the things I harp on in my training is just because you are able to with to, to unholster your firearm and bring it up to your threat to try to uh, combat a threat, now you have to see whether or not you're justified in pulling the trigger. Right. So, uh, so it, it's 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 an assessment of your environment now. So, did the suspect give up? Did they drop, for example, their their knife or their gun? Now you're not justified in shooting at that point. So, those are mitigating factors that you need to assess. And that's another thing that I also incorporate in my training was that you, you have to assess your situation before you pull the trigger. And, the, and a lot of this stuff for, for the listener, for the audience, is done in rapid, rapid succession. Your Correct. mind is going at 1,000 miles an hour, and you've got to remember all your fundamentals, when the shoe carry, uh, how you're carrying the weapon, concealment, exactly. all these things, and they have to happen in seconds. Exactly. Things you have to consider. Exactly. Uh, other small incidentals as well to assist you in that. What type of holster are you going to carry? Um, what type of firearm are you carrying? And are you proficient with that firearm in various situations? What type of uh, concealed clothing do you typically wear? Whatever holster and whatever type of clothing that you wear, then it is my opinion that you need to practice with that type of holster that you carry on a daily basis and the type of clothing you typically wear. These are things that are important. Do you wear glasses? Do you wear contacts? Mm -hmm. uh, these are all things that as an individual, uh, a responsible individual, training themselves for combat shooting, for self-defense shooting, these are all factors that sound trivial, but they're crucial in, a, in an emergency situation. Because if all of a sudden, and I used to see this all the time in many, many police departments, the person I would know, it's happened all the time as a range master. I see the officer every day on a personal level at work with a shoulder holster, with a shoulder holster. The day they come qualified, they bring a hip holster. <laughs> and I said, well, hey, wait, 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 wait. I, I said, I see you 364 days a year with that old shoulder holster, and now you're coming to qualify with a, with a, with, with a hip holster? And then I would try to convince him to qualify uh, or at least train in their shoulder holster because you're going to digress uh, 
you're going to digress to your training. Yes. And if you constantly use a shoulder holster uh, for whatever reason, if your department allows it, if you wear it off duty, or let's say your department allows, or even for civilians, if they're allowed to, uh, to have an ankle holster, whatever holster you tend to carry on a daily basis, in my opinion, is the holster you need to train with. Definitely. And I tell my students that, and with my, especially with my, uh, I teach a course called the Off-Duty Law Enforcement Officer. But that course is also relevant to, to retired officers, and I also teach a similar course for civilians. I purposefully tell them, look, I, would, I don't care. Bring as many holsters as you want because with the drills, I actually allow them to change holsters and try to drill again. And I would rather have the student assess during the course wow, this holster really stinks, mm -hmm. or this holster is great. Definitely, you want to make that assessment during training. Yes. Not during an actual situation. And people negate to do that. They either qualify or they train with, with, with something that's comfortable. And I'm like, well, that's nice and all, but you need to train realistically with whatever you typically carry or use on a daily basis. Correct. And you're bringing up a lot of excellent points. I just want to go back a little bit on one sure. point that you made, and sure. that was clothing. Yes. The weather is changing now, so uh, we're going to go into the winter season. So people want to wear heavier coats. Some people take out bigger uh, firearms as well because right. of their concealment. But now taking out that weapon is that much more difficult. Correct. Compared Correct. to... Uh, shorts and flip-flops in Florida. Exactly, exactly. That's what training is key. The more, I mean, the more you conceal the firearm, yes, the more it's hidden, but the longer it takes for you to access the firearm in a, in a dangerous situation. So my personal opinion is for those individuals that carry deep cover, whether a belly band, uh, whether uh, a, a T-shirt with a, with a sewn-in holster, that's all that's that's all good but you need to train with it yeah if that is your option if that's what you want to do you know bury your holster under a sweater and under a t-shirt or that's fine but realize that your training must reflect that and that it will take slightly longer for you to access your firearm yeah and and that's what training is key but it, it, the, uh, the important thing is if 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 the let's say for example um, you for the summer you wear a different gun, different holster, like you said, flip flops and shorts. Then up in my area, up in New Jersey, or Pennsylvania, or, or Delaware, it gets cold. Uh, I I def definitely recommend that individuals uh, practice uh, right, right during the fall season drawing from concealment from whatever clothing they go in and wear because it is a perishable skill and it needs to become a reflex. Yes. And I definitely, I'm a, I'm, I'm a huge advocate in that. If the winter's coming, I'll go to the range and I'll practice drawing from my sweater, you know, from, with cover uh, from drawing from, I have a sweater over the firearm or a coat because I haven't done it in a while because I, I went, I've, you know, I have summer, all summer with my firearm and either a fanny pack or and my sneaky peats or whatever, where, it, where it's easy to access. But when the situation changes, my training changes. Right. And and it's all about being cognizant and aware of your environment, cognizant, aware of your training. And it's really important that you train 
constantly. Oh, I trained three or four years ago, and, and all you did was you know shoot at, a, at from a bench, and you're a combat shooter. No, that's not that's not enough to me. That's irresponsible. Right. Yeah, it, you need you need to become proficient, and it's and it's definitely needs to be addressed because shooting is a perishable skill. Yeah, you have to you have to go into the different types of drills scenarios. It's a mindset. You're basically meditating. Correct. That process. Correct. Uh, I can give a, a story. When I was a firearms instructor at the academy uh, down in Miami, of course, officers during the summer months uh, were dressed very comfortable. But now, mm-hmm. let's say it got a little cold, maybe 60 degrees. For right. Miami, that's a, that's a blizzard. Yes, it so is. So they show up with, <laughs> you know, hats, gloves, long coats, and they want to train but they've never trained in this uniform now, and they're fumbling around with the weapon, which is very dangerous. Yep. So yes, yes, that's a great all scenarios. point. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, regarding clothing, it's important to train whatever clothing you wear, especially for the upcoming season. Uh, another training that I do uh, in conjunction with shooting with different types of clothing, shooting with different types of of holsters is shooting from awkward positions. I have a whole training class that I train shooting from unconventional positions. So I not only do I add different clothing, all of a sudden it's winter, I'll tell the students all of a sudden you're wearing a sweater, all of a sudden you have a different holster. Uh, Now you are shooting from different positions. For example, uh, I'm a huge advocate of, of, of shooting from the supine position. Yeah. where uh, you simulate falling on the ground and you draw your firearm and you shoot while sitting. Very, very important because, as you and I know from our defensive tactic days, many fights end up on the ground. Yep. And whether or not you have a firearm or not. And you'd be surprised how many people have never shot a firearm from the seated position, cool. from the ground. And that is a very plausible tactic in which you can cover distance. That's one of the things I teach, where if you don't have, let's say, let's give you an example. If someone's running at you and you might not be able to run away or sidestep, you do have an advantage if you drop to the ground and fire from the ground. That's a whole other topic I talk about. But that's one thing where it's an unconventional position and it's it's something that could very, very well happen. Also, shooting from the uh, uh, from the prone position is important, and uh, I, I rehash that. What, regardless of the firearm, if it's pistol, rifle, or shotgun, uh, shooting from a kneeling position—that's a qualification part uh, in New Jersey, and I know many states too require shooting from the kneeling position. So things like that: shooting strong hand only, support hand only. Uh, loading and unloading your firearm with either your strong hand or support hand only. And that's a really important one in my book because I know from sim munitions training, I know from sh- virtual simulators that the uh, uh, typically in a combat situation, your strong arm has or a strong hand has a, pri- has a high probability of getting shot. Uh, so I teach about how to draw an unholster and charge your firearm support hand only. So the, I, where I'm getting at is that uh, once you reach an advanced level, it's important to change it up and get out of your comfort zone. Of course, because you, you, 
you came with two hands, two arms. That's how God right. built us. So you've got to train both of them up. A lot of people say, no, just my, my support, you know, I'm righty, I'm, well, I'm lefty, whatever I am. But right. no, you've got to, you got to get both of them into the training plan. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, another another thing that comes to mind is yes. there's a lot of shooters, and maybe not at the advanced level, so I might be regressing a little bit here, that they mm -hmm. don't even know what dominant eye they have. Yes, and you'd be surprised, and that's why it's, it's so important, especially for beginner students, to seek professional training, because you'd be surprised at individuals on the range that have shot for years still don't understand or don't know what the dominant eye concept is. Correct. And, and they're, they're directly in front of a target. They're not hitting it accurately. And I've actually done that where I'm on the range. I see someone struggling and they see me teaching someone. And during a break, they'll ask me, sir, are you an instructor? And I'm like, yeah, well, can you help me out? And I come to find out after observing them briefly that they never knew which one was their dominant eye. And that's something that as you and I as instructors assume that, well, before you touch your gun, you should know which, which eye you're going to use to aim with. That's not necessarily the case. Correct. And as you become more and more advanced, you should start training to shoot with your eyes open. Correct. Oh, yes, because under combat conditions, your body will not allow you to close an eye. It's just it's, it's, it's just not, not gonna, gonna, it's not, the man. brain's gonna go. What are you crazy? Yeah, exactly. Are you nuts? <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's that's another thing that uh, after a while I train my students how to shoot with both eyes open, and that's that's a game changer. That's that, a game changer. For, yes. For, for, oh, 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 goodness! Because a lot a lot of students have never, even in the higher levels, never done that before, ever. Yeah. Ever. And, and the talk of what you were talking about shooting in the sitting position, normally in a fight situation, let's say a subject is coming at you, so you want to drop to the ground. Right. The brain, that's another function that the brain doesn't allow you in combat to go to the ground. Exactly. The brain's you know, like, what are you doing? You, you, you have to use your feet and legs now. Right. And, and right. so you right. have to train in that fall. That's why a lot of... Um, uh, mixed martial artists, even police departments, incorporate jujitsu in their in their DT curriculum or a form of it or elements of it because, just like you said, it's not natural for us to go on the ground. Yeah. Where in a in a situation that might be your best tactical alternative in that moment in time. Yeah, correct, correct. So you're you're training We're just touching the surface. Correct. If you're tuning in, we're just touching the surface. There's so much more to go. So, as you said earlier, just to recap on that, yes. you always have to train. Yes, it is a non. It, it it's a commitment. It's it's like it's like being a martial artist, like being a boxer. It's it's like. Uh, being a professor, where uh, being a doctor in a sense where a doctor has to get constant training to be more aware of, of the current technology and the current uh, uh, science. Uh, uh, and same thing as a, as a shooter, same thing as a combat shooter. Uh, constant training, what the new trends are, what the new use of force laws are, uh, the state you're at, what the new t uh, technology, what, what's out there. Uh, Transit, trends and firearms. These are things that that are perishable, and skill, skills are perishable, and technology always changes, especially the law. Especially the law, correct? 
Yes, and, and so training in all aspects, physical training with the firearm, legal training, uh, everything, it tra it's, it's, it's constant. It's, it's, a, it's a dynamic that you must perpetuate training. You must always, in my opinion, because I know I consider myself a perpetual student. I still learn, that every time I go to a training session, I'll learn something not only for myself, but I'll, I'll bring it to my training classes for other students. That's just the way it works. Yeah. Yeah, you can't sit in a, in a course and say, I didn't get anything out of it because you didn't want to. There's something Correct. you can take. There's a tool you can take and put it in the toolbox. Most definitely. Always. There's always something, always, that I take. That's why when I go to training during the academic portion, the classroom portion, I'm constantly taking notes. Constantly. Because I know there's something that I haven't either I've forgotten or something new, because there's always new techniques coming up that are fantastic. And I, that's one of the, my favorite parts, aside from meeting new people as an instructor, one of the other favorite things I love in this business and this line of work is, is learning techniques and being able to learn it and hopefully teach it to other people. Most definitely. You have given the audience tremendous advice as usual. Uh, we, have a, we have more shows to come up. In December, we're going to have the trainer versus the subject matter expert, big difference. Uh, I might be a subject matter expert in ammunition mm -hmm. and, um, mm -hmm. and the other mm -hmm. guys are trainer in firearms. So Correct. we're, we're going to have that show. And of course, starting in January, we're going to go into the carry conceal permit yes. holder. Uh, who, what, when, where, and why. We're going to have six yes. parts to that series and we recommend everybody listening. I do have to tell the audience that we are honored to have Kilo Sierra with us today because today, and I'm not going to mention his age, but today <laughs> is his birthday and we wish him a happy birthday publicly. We're not going to say his age, but soon he's going to get a little card in the mail. <laughs> okay. Which will tell Thank him. Thank you. Which will tell him he's in a whole different arena. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for that. I greatly appreciate it, brother. Thank you. We, th we thank you for being part of the Raider Cop Nation. Thank you very much. Some great advice uh, given to us by Kilo Sierra. And it's taken us to the different level. A lot of this is a personal choice as, as a shooter. How far do you want to take it? And... When we get into the other series that we're going to start doing down the road, uh, of course, we have trainer versus subject matter expert, and we'll touch somewhat upon uh, firearms. There'll be other subjects as well. And uh, then we're going to go into carrying concealed weapon in, in January, and that's going to be a six-part series leading all the way into June on who, what, when, where, and why, and how, and all that. And we're going to really pick it apart. And during those segments, I'm going to describe certain behavioral traits that you have to follow, too, when you are carrying and concealed. And it's very simple stuff that we just don't think about. So stay tuned for that and, and, and a lot more of our shows. As I said early on the podcast, we have listed on radio on RaiderCopNation.com, we have listed all our shows uh, up until September 11th of 2019. That's a whole lot of shows. They're all listed there, ammunition, 
locked and loaded. And with our superhero guest list, we are going to have some fantastic shows coming your way. Uh, up next, after number 60, which is this one, this is the end of this uh, series. It is one of our, as I said earlier, 152% increase on just um, episode number uh, one and number two of the Training in Firearms series. So people definitely liked it, and we will do be doing more of it. Uh, December 5th, episode 64, we're going to do Train... The trainer versus the subject matter expert, that's part A, and there's part B is episode 65. There is a big difference between a trainer and a subject matter expert. A lot of the terms subject matter experts are just being thrown around um, various functions in law enforcement. So what is the criteria? What makes you a subject matter expert? Is there a certificate for it? What are the elements that you need to be a subject matter expert? And what defines a trainer today? Is it a red shirt? What defines a trainer in today's law enforcement? We will deal with those aspects uh, as well. 66, episode 66, which is uh, I'm looking forward to as well. That will be in December. And that is weapon of choice. Some people prefer a knife. Some people prefer semi-auto. Some people uh, prefer the revolver. Uh, the shotgun, they swear by it as being the weapon of choice for home defense. But is that in 12-gauge or in 20-gauge? So we'll be looking at that as well. And, and that will start concluding our year. I always take the opportunity to thank our special superhero guest host, Without them, it would be very difficult to bring some of this content uh, that we are bringing to you. Uh, folks, when we look at firearms, we know that there's a heightened level of insecurity by the politicians out there that the word firearm has become a four-letter word. They are such things as Corporate gun control. What is corporate gun control? Well, there's pressure put on corporations, put on banking, the banking industry. You might have read some of these articles about how banks are refusing either MasterCard or Visa to, to allow you to purchase a firearm with their card. That's corporate gun control. Uh, you've heard Corporations take positions on guns, which to me are just mind-boggling, almost killing their brand. Because regardless whether you're for or against firearms, as a corporation, once you take a, a political stand one way or another, you're pretty much going to piss off millions of people. Why don't you just keep on doing what you do, and that's producing whatever product it is, and get out of the political business you're not very good out of it, and there's a whole list of companies. It is always a pleasure to, and a humble experience to come up on the show and talk on this microphone. I am overwhelmed at the analytics that I see, 
But I never want to stay short, never want to stay a midget. You want to grow, and we are growing. Anybody that knows me and knows how I operate, I don't stand still. I'm constantly lifting the bar, reaching for a new level of height. We'll continue to do that on Raider Cop Nation. Don't forget, five minutes of the powerful word of the Lord on Test Everything every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and that is up until December 31st. Folks, it's been my honor, my pleasure to be your host on Raider Cop Nation. God bless you. God bless the agency that serves you. And God bless the United States of America. Alpha Mike signing out. Through the night with a light from above, from the mountains to the prairies, to the oceans, white with Thank you.